I just wanted to say a great welcome to all of you who are watching us. Uh, unfortunately, not being able to gather together as a church on this Palm Sunday, 2020. I guess all the Christian holidays don't feel quite the same being in the current context that we're in. Nevertheless, the beauty is we can still worship Jesus on a Sunday like this when he triumphantly entered into Jerusalem. It's really interesting in Romanian, Palm Sunday is also known as the Sunday of the flowers. So as you can all see, I've made an effort and very often on a day like this, on the Sunday that is the Flower Sunday in Romania, usually we congratulate all the ladies that are named after a flower. So I guess I'm just sending all the love to all of you. I know it's very difficult as we can't say hello, we can't smile to each other, we can't hug each other, but we can still worship together in spirit. So this morning, I'm glad that you're with us. And I pray that as we sing the songs, we will be able to worship Jesus because he's worth it.
Breathe. We live for you. 
Great is the Lord. 
greatest ways of fashion all the rest is up to us to choose the trust great is the lord oh how great is the lord oh how great is the lord no how great is the lord oh how great is the Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you, Beth, for leading us in some great songs of worship. I want to give everybody a warm welcome this morning, whether you're part of the CFM family or whether you belong to another fellowship. It's just great to have you here. And I pray that you'll be blessed uh, with our time this morning. I'm sure we all have go-to verses in the Bible or go-to passages that give us a sense of, of real comfort. And I'm the same, and I've got a passage, I've read it out before um, at church, but I want to share it with you this morning, just before we pray. It was given to me a few years ago, or shared with me a few years ago, by someone from CFM, a dear friend, as I was going through a tough time. And it gave me real comfort, and I hope and pray that it gives you comfort this morning. So before we pray, let me just read it. It's, it's from Psalm chapter 91, I'm sure familiar verses for, for many of us, and this is what it says. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. And then further down. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in times of trouble and I will deliver him and honour him. With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Let's just come before God in, in a time of prayer now. Father God, we just want to come before you this morning and simply say thank you. Words can't describe how much you mean to us. We're just so grateful for who you are, for what you've done, and what you continue to do in our lives day by day. Thank you, Lord, that you're a great big God, as that children's song says. You're a great big God, and you hold us in your hands. What a great thing to know, Lord. We thank you for those words from the Bible that are real comfort to us, Lord. Thank you that you're our refuge that you're our shelter, that you're our hiding place. Father, that we can just come into your presence and know that you're with us, know that you're there for us and that you're holding our hand. Even through these uncertain times, Lord Jesus, we thank you that you're steadfast and you're certain that you're the same yesterday, today and forever. You're the rock that we can build our lives upon. And Lord, in these times 
We don't know what's going on, but we take comfort in the knowledge that you do. And Lord, in this time of lockdowns, which becoming our new normal, Lord, we look to you, Lord Jesus. Help us through these times. Follow up, my prayer is that during this time of isolation and lockdown that we, we can spend more time with you. We can become more and more like the Lord Jesus. Father, speak to each one of us. Tell us what you're doing through this time, Lord. Father, I pray for, for those who find isolation, the lockdown, really hard. Whether that be with uh, looking after the children, whether it be in situations that are hard. Father God, I pray that the fruit of the Spirit will come shining through in our lives. That love that joy, the patience, the kindness, that goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, Lord. Father, we pray that our families will see that within us during this time. And we know that we're humans and we fail. Lord, fill us with your spirit. Fill us with your spirit at this time so that we can display these things. Lord, I just want to pray for, for the, the people that we keep praying for but who need our prayers the most, Lord. Father, I pray for the government at this time. It's such a hard job to know what to do, to know when to do it. Father God, I pray for a real sense of wisdom for them. And Lord, I pray that they'll come on their knees before you and seek you. Seek you first, Lord. Father, we're so grateful for the, uh, the people on the front line again. So the, the people who work in healthcare within the NHS and the, the doctors, Lord, and, and just the people who um, help supply food the people teaching our children and looking after our children of essential workers. Father, we're so grateful for what we have in this country. Thank you that we've got roofs over our head, that we've got food to eat. And Lord, my mind at this time is with those who don't have that. Lord, we pray for them especially. Lord, we remember those who... Um, who are homeless, who are refugees, who are asylum seekers, Lord. Father, please comfort them. Please help them in this time. It's evident, Lord, that when a pandemic affects us, then it's, it becomes real. But Lord, I pray also for those who, um, who this is part of their everyday life, disease, no food, nowhere to live, Lord. The countries of the world that are, are far less fortunate than we are here, Lord. Father, I pray that we can remember each one of those in prayer at this time and also afterwards as well. 
that will live different lives afterwards, after all this is over. Have mercy on us, Lord. Forgive us. Forgive us for going away from you, for going our own way. And have mercy on us, Lord. Let's just bring those people who we know personally who are struggling, whether it's with the illness itself, whether it's um, just being in lockdown, whether it's um, business or financial worries. Let's just bring them before God now during this time. And Father God, as we enter into Holy Week and Good Friday and Easter Sunday, Lord, Father, we're just so grateful for what you did for us by sending your one and only Son to die for our sins, but we're so grateful that he rose again and that he's now with you in heaven. Father, speak to us clearly over this week. With all this the extra time that we've got on our hands, Lord, Pray that we see it in a new way. Thank you that you're with us. Thank you for all that you've done for us. Let's just come before God and pray the prayer that we've, uh, we've prayed each week, but I think it's a really powerful thing to do. It's the family prayer, even though we can't be together. Let's just say it out loud. The Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven... Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Before Christy comes to bring God's word, we're going to have the Bible reading. And just so you have a different voice, um, we've asked Caroline to do the reading. So we're going to hand over to Caroline. Luke chapter 19, verses 28 through to 40. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever, ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why are you untying it, say the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying it? They replied, The Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks onto the colt and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. 
Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. I guess that most of us in recent years have been really fascinated by royal events. And some of it is just human curiosity of being able to watch somebody else's wedding. But this is ever so more intriguing when it comes to royals because there is probably a little bit of not just curiosity but a hidden envy at all the pomp and all the glorious displays of lavishness that come with royal weddings. It's really interesting because there is a paradox in it. The more otherworldly the wedding seems to be, the more curious we seem to be. And though we can barely relate to the resemblance of ceremony that comes in a royal wedding, nevertheless, we're still very fascinated and very interested in this. I'm also reminded of Afghanistan's former king returning in 2002, in March 2002, returning from exile, 87-year-old Mohammed Zahir Shah, coming after 30 years of being in exile from his home country. And the Chicago Tribune describes in an article his return and how it all looked and how grand and glorious it seemed to be. This is what the article said. On Thursday, thousands of invited guests lined up for hours at the airport and people gathered on the streets leading to a refurbished seven bedroom villa to see the former ruler. Delegations arrived from all across Afghanistan's 32 provinces, governors and their advisors, members of women's groups carrying posters of the king, most of the interim administration, royalists, warlords, men in turbans and others in suits, they all converged on a packed runway where the shells of bombed airplanes still lay about. Two red carpets were laid out. Two newly trained honor guards were on hand and young women and children in traditional embroidered dress, they greeted Zahir Shah with flowers and poems. Well, the story that we heard read earlier on about Jesus's royal triumphal entry into Jerusalem couldn't have been more different than either the royal displays of lavishness in our British monarchy's recent weddings, nor the return of Afghanistan's former king. There was nothing impressive. And actually, maybe for those who would have been watching Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem, it would have had elements of disastrous disappointment because it wasn't at all what people would have expected from a king. Yet actually, there is something very important that's written in the small print of the story. Recently in Romania, they adopted a new military law, uh, putting the country into lockdown, special measures. And there are a lot of things that were coming as new rulings. And some of them, uh, probably the most significant one had to do with the fact that those over 65 could only go out during the day between the hours and 11 and 13. So between 11 and 1 at lunchtime. And that seemed to grab the headlines. But what was underneath one of the other laws that people didn't really 
catch on was the fact that medical personnel were actually by the new law obligated to travel and go to any part of the country where they were needed. In the same way, buried in this story, beyond the face value of the story, there is something very, very deep and very important that I think is very relevant to us, even now, even here. And it's simply this significant coded message that comes throughout all the story that gets narrated around Palm Sunday. And it's simply this, there is a God you and I can trust. There is a God we can trust. And I'm gonna give you this morning three reasons from this story that should tell us why that's true, why there is this God that we can trust. And the first thing that really strikes me is the fact that actually when Jesus comes into Jerusalem, he comes in an unusual manner and he comes riding a donkey, which seems to be so counterintuitive for anybody who wants to have a triumphal entry. It wasn't just a cultural weird thing. This was totally unexpected and unusual. But it is very significant. Why? Because Jesus coming into Jerusalem riding on a donkey was a fulfillment of a prophecy made many, many years ago. Do you know what that's telling me? It's telling me that God can be trusted because God keeps his word. God keeps his word. Here is a prophecy in Zechariah, one of the small prophets of the Old Testament, Zechariah 9.9. This is what he says. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a coal, the foal of a donkey. You see, we live in a world full of disappointments. And a lot of those disappointments have to do with broken promises. We can all relate to that on a personal level. There are many people, whether it's people that we are in a relationship with or people that we work for who can't keep their promises or won't keep their promises. And because of that, we feel betrayed. Politicians are notorious for this. They will, in an election campaign, make so many promises and somehow we become savvy enough to know that it's gonna be very difficult for them to keep their promises. Yet here we have a God who keeps his word. Here we have a God who fulfills through the coming of Jesus into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, fulfills a promise made years before. And this tells me my God is a God who keeps his word, a God who can be trusted. In a world filled with fake news and manipulation that makes us shout, who can I trust? How desperately needy we are to find something that is solid, something that is truthful, something that is reliable, something that you don't think, oh, I thought it was that or it was this, but someone you can trust. And God makes that promise many years before to the mouth of the prophet. And he keeps that promise because Jesus fulfills it, coming into Jerusalem just the way he was described. You know, the truth is, every single one of us who is watching or listening to this will have a level of anxiety about the future. And the truth is, we have no idea. 
people speculate. They speculate on when will this be over? How will this be over? When will be a vaccine available? How are our lives gonna be affected? How many jobs and businesses will still be there? What's this gonna mean for education? What's this gonna mean for health? So many unknowns. And they can be terrifying. And they can bring a lot of anxiety. And this is why I think this morning, we can either discover for the very first time or maybe rediscover a God who can be trusted, a God who keeps his promises. Just like his promise was being kept when Jesus rides into Jerusalem on a call. And this is the message this morning. While we don't know what tomorrow holds, we know who holds tomorrow. I can be hopeful, I can be humbly confident because I know the God that holds the future. I don't know what the future holds, but I know the one who does. And God has been faithful in my life. And we can all tell so many stories of God's faithfulness and he will continue to do that because God keeps his word. The second reason I want to give to you is God shows his power. It says in verse 37, when Jesus came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices. You might say, why would they do that? Well, here's the reason. Underline that. For all the miracles they had seen God do. For all the miracles they had seen God do. You see, that crowd who was so exuberant, welcoming Jesus on that Palm Sunday in Jerusalem, they did it because they saw glimpses of something and someone that they've never seen before. They all would have heard a story of a relative, of a friend, of an acquaintance, or maybe a first-hand experience of Jesus demonstrating his love and power by healing or casting out demons or even raising from the dead. The entire life of Jesus, as soon as he started his ministry, is peppered with these acts of amazing supernatural power, where he opened the eyes of the blind, where he made the mute talk, where he lifted and enabled those who were lame to walk again, where he stopped a hemorrhage that lasted for years, where he touched somebody's life that was epileptic and changed them forever. When he rose, a dead son and a dead daughter and a dead friend, a brother, back to life, giving them the ultimate gift of kindness. That's why Jesus was so revered and loved and people didn't need coercing to come out and declare their praise and shout their praise as it describes here, joyfully praising God. They had that joy and they were not afraid to be manifesting that loudly just as much as a football fan doesn't need to be coerced when they go. Those who support Liverpool when they're in the cop, they, they're not coerced to sing like they do. You'll never walk alone. They do it because they love their club in a much more 
significant comparison. Those people were worshipping Jesus because they had seen his power. And all those signs that Jesus did were authenticating his identity. He always said he was the son of God. He always said he was the savior of the world. He was coming to look for the lost. He was coming to save. And every single time he performed one of those signs, he was saying, this is to show you that I am God. I am the son of God. I am who I say I am. So many times people cannot back their words by their actions. Jesus does. He not only reveals his identity, but he affirms it. And he says, I'm a powerful God. The one who was from the beginning, the creator of the world, is right amongst you. And that says to me, if God shows his power, I can trust him. God keeps his word and God shows his power. Oh, how I need that encouragement today in the context I'm living right in. Because everything feels shaky. Everything feels insecure. Everything feels quite frightening. But if I have a God who is powerful, that is amazing good news. That is a word of hope. And because he's powerful, I can trust him. Just as a child, when you're a child, you think your daddy can do anything. There is nothing your daddy can do. And very often when you're in primary school, you probably boast to your friends in the playground about the amazing things your daddy can do. And it's not just your daddy, probably your mommy too. You believe your parents are amazing people and you revere them and respect them and believe they can do amazing things. How much more with God? Because I know God is powerful. I know I can trust him. And this is the second reason why I think this is amazing good news. Here's the third one. God comes humbly. You see, this is where the contrast between the royal wedding, this is where the contrast between the king of Afghanistan returning home kicks into play, because this is totally, totally unexpected. You see, kings and royalty are at best fairly distant, remote, aloof. They seem somewhere out there. At worst, they can be despots who really lord it over the people. They are so different than every single one of us. They are not like us. So we have an expectation when we hear anything about royalty or see anything about royalty, that they will be very, very different than us. Well, Jesus is like no other king you can think of because Jesus comes right amongst his people and he comes with humility. His humility, of course, is displayed when he, as God himself, becomes incarnate. And it's a story of Christmas, which is so much linked to what we're leading to, Palm Sunday being the precursor to Easter Sunday. And they're all part of this beautiful narrative that we have. And actually, Jesus continues, not just a Christmas story with God becoming a human being, one of us, in John Osborne's words, what if God was one of us? Well, he was. And then he lives his life 
and he does his ministry with the same philosophy. He's one of us and he does it with humility. And although he has the power that we saw earlier on, we talked about earlier on the signs that he did, the healings, the exorcisms, the resurrection, that isn't used to his advantage. He humbles himself. So when he comes, in contrast with a Roman Caesar, he would come after a victorious campaign back into Rome and the streets would be lined with many people and he would come with amazing pomp, riding on a white horse, dressed in all the military garb with all the guards of honour around him. What Jesus doesn't do that. He rides into Jerusalem on a donkey. This would have been an absolute PR disaster. I mean, imagine this. There must be some weird people out there who, you know, normally at somebody's wedding, you know, you, when you have the car that drives you away from the ceremony, from the church, it's usually a vintage car that looks absolutely beautiful, or it's usually a very swanky sports car. I mean, imagine that you've got a Robin Reliant picking you up. That's the equivalent of Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey as compared to the Roman Caesar riding on a beautiful white horse. It's, it's a PR disaster. It's not what you would have expected. Now, we know that this is significant because for Jesus, it was more important to fulfill the prophecy that we heard from Zechariah than to try to tart up and Photoshop and Instagram his image. He didn't do that. He didn't believe in that. But it tells us how humble Jesus is as he comes, because he rides into Jerusalem, not just on a donkey, but on a borrowed donkey. I mean, this is the ultimate cosmic downgrade. The king of the universe, he created a world with all the mesmerizing things that we can see in a David Attenborough documentary. It's the same God that's willing to humble himself and come into Jerusalem riding on a borrowed donkey. That is the story of our God. This is who he is. He is a humble king. Do you know what that tells me? It tells me I can trust him and I can approach him. He's approachable. He's filled with humility. He's not aloof and he's not a despot. He's incredibly kind. And how we need that in these days, to draw near to a God who gets it. He understands suffering. He's been through it. He's seen it. He's experienced it. Rejection, physical suffering, emotional abuse, false accusations, you name them, betrayal by friends, everything. Jesus experienced it. He gets it. He really, really gets it. And to know that I have a God who gets it makes me want to approach him, come near to him. J.I.R. Tolkien, in the third book of the trilogy, in The Return of the King, describes the moment when Aragorn, who is the rightful claimant to the throne of Gondor, returns to the city of Minas Tirith. He's victorious in the battle against the Dark Lord Sauron, but he's not yet able to claim the throne. So he comes into the city in disguise 
in order to go to the houses of healing. And there he seeks to heal some of the friends who were struck in battle. And as he performs this healing, one of the attendants repeats an ancient verse that is quite striking. It simply says this, the hands of the king are the hands of a healer and he shall be rightful king be now. The hands of the king are the hands of a healer and so should the rightful king be now. You know him by what he does. We know Jesus by what we've seen in his amazing entrance into Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday and everything that I see about this Jesus. I see a God who can be trusted. I see a God who is powerful. I see a God who is humble. And everything about that picture is saying to me, I can trust him. I can run to him. We live in this world where I guess on all of our minds is this question, who can I trust? The media, the scientists, the politicians? It's a difficult question. Even deeper, not just a trust question, who can protect me? Who can protect me? And again, probably the usual suspects will come into play. Can I put my trust in them? And a deeper third question is who will understand me? And to all those questions, who can I trust? Who can protect me? or help me, or heal me. Who can understand? To every single one of those questions, the simple answer is this, it's always Jesus. And that's the story of my life, and that's the story of so many of you who are part of this congregation. And it's the message that I want to convey to you with all my heart. You can trust Jesus. You can experience his love, his power, his grace. So on this Palm Sunday 2002, I simply want to give you two invitations. The first one is maybe to somebody who's never ever taken a step to say, I might have heard something about Jesus, but I never really understood it. But this morning, I'm beginning to get a fuller picture of what he's about. And I want to press in to get to know more about him. Why don't you start on this journey of discovery? That's my invitation for you. This Palm Sunday, why don't you start discovering more about Jesus? Why don't you even welcome him as your king? Just as those people welcomed him as an, I get it, an unusual king, but nevertheless the king into Jerusalem. Why don't you welcome him as your king in your life? And I want to give you a chance as we pray at the end of this message. For others of you, you might have welcomed him as a king. But can I invite your fresh to say, would you worship him as your king? And I'm going to talk more about that tonight in a message, how we can worship him, how we can praise him. But this is the beautiful invitation because you can trust him, because he is powerful, because he's humble. He deserves all my worship because he's amazing. Let's pray together. 
Jesus, I thank you that you are the same yesterday, today and forever. And the truth is, even today, all those things that were true then on that Palm Sunday when you rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, they're true today. You are still a God who can be trusted. And this morning we want to give everything to you because you're powerful. The things that burden us, the things that scare us, the thing that we can find overwhelming, we want to say, God, we want to give them to you because you can be trusted and you're powerful and you're also humble, you're relatable. And Jesus, I thank you that you've come into our world. You know what it's like. You understand everything about the brokenness, the pain, the shattered dreams, the fears and frustrations. And this is why we want to surrender our lives to you and worship you. Amen. Thank you, Christy, for that powerful message this morning. I trust that you've all enjoyed it. I've all been blessed by this morning's service. Before we go, I've just got a couple of notices to bring. Each night this week, during Holy Week, we're going to have a Zoom get-together. Uh, Christy's calling it the Upper Room. And it's from 7.30, just for an hour each night. Uh, we're a time where we can just look at some scripture and we can have a time of reflection and a time of prayer and just really take in the Easter, the Easter story, the Easter message. So that's going to be Monday night starting tomorrow night, 7.30, and you'll find all the details, the, the ID numbers on the, the WhatsApp group or the Facebook page. So it'd be great for you to, to join with us as much as you can this week. And next Saturday morning, we have the Power Hour prayer time. Slightly different because it's via Zoom, but it's a really encouraging time where you can see one another's faces. And I'm always uplifted after I've joined in with it. So that's 8.30 on Saturday morning. And then I'm hoping to put together a quiz. Um, just a time where we can have some fun, fellowship, social get together. Um, it'll be one evening, it'll be coming up. So uh, watch this space for details. Finally, Christy's going to be speaking tonight, 6.30, so we'd love for you to join us there. Okay, I hope you have a great day, great afternoon. Uh, enjoy the weather, and we will see you soon. God bless.